Congratulations, you've found induction burners. Episode 7. The train is just a friend, with Rochelle Goldberg and Ryan Forrester. She said, oh baby, I feel so down. When I feel lives down So I I turn around oh, I like, I really want to have public access Like I think I like, I really got into radio And like public access TV Like that's why we were watching that Tom Green show and stuff Yeah Just before the internet really got Was he big for you? Tom Green? Yeah Yeah, it was huge Yeah <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he still. I didn't realize how important he was for me. It's amazing how weird it was. It's like really ahead of his time. Yeah, the stuff that he was doing, and I think he got unfairly pushed into a lot of the like jackass type culture, which was way more broy. Yeah, and Tom Green was a lot actually so imaginative and like strange that ones I liked the most I didn't even remember because they were on when he was on Rogers or not even Rogers, like a cable access thing way before MTV yeah and they were just seemed so strange and abstract at the time like he would paint his parents house you know like in like yeah. plaid colors because his dad was like Scottish descent or something and just these like well I mean that's not even that good but there was one then like later where he made like a, a raft out of like pig heads and plastic bags mm-hmm. so he like got these pig heads for free or whatever and then took all this plastic junk and then he set them all on fire so the plastic melted with the pig heads and then he was gonna ride this raft of pig heads uh, down like this river in Ottawa and uh, I don't think he ever got it big enough to actually to be rideable to rideable but then he put styrofoam or something with it but it's it was really cool looking I just liked that he was really messing with people but in this I don't know not just like, like punching them in the balls or something like, like just sent 500 t-shirts to LA this is like an adult bookstore from the 70s oh cool or maybe even earlier it just got big in the 70s and they bought 500 t-shirts? Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I went to the one in Silver Lake when I was there. And they it's like kind of like a deli in the front. Uh-huh. There's just like, I mean, it's just like old bags of chips and some soda. And outside they have like a rack of dollar books. The store looks cool. You're like, dollar books. And I then you go exactly. in and you're like, you're it looks like, like a third. I don't even want to buy a water. It <laughs> yeah, like, looks so like, old. It's like a war zone. Kind yeah. Of like... It still feels like the 70s. But I guess there's like a whole area that's like just porno in the back and but, they love this camp in my ass t-shirt so yeah we described the shirt just for or like just you know uh it's just a shirt that has a it says camp in my ass <laughs> and like block letters in a circle uh-huh. on the front and then it's all in different colors a lot of them are like neon like those construction worker co- colors and then some have um mini mouse on them i don't get i just get other t-shirts i could get a dollar a shirt yeah. <laughs> or uh, I could get more. I trade in for other shirts. I see. <laughs> so I get other t-shirts and then I bring them to the book fair. Like there's one that she makes that just says, fuck this shit, get high. <laughs> and so she gives me a bunch of those and I take them to the book fair. I sell them. How much do you sell them for at the book fair? I start at maybe 30, 25 bucks. Yeah. 
reasonable. I mean, I get them for a dollar, so. Totally. Any profit. Yeah. Uh, I guess the top, I mean, you know, the topic is, like, can be very, like, circular. But in thinking, yeah, and we'll, like, edit out whatever's boring or, like, edit into it, you know, if it doesn't go anywhere. We'll, like, you know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I guess I was thinking, like, with the Sculpture Center show in part, like, and then looking kind of the older, you know, like, the clearing show and just, like, thinking about the way things are installed in the space and then the way that, like, that Sculpture Center basement has you can choose the way you go through it, you know? Maybe we can start with, like, in terms of when you were thinking about how to install, like, objects in that basement, like... Well, the basement, I mean, what I quickly realized is that it's a very unforgiving space, so you have to work with it, and working with it means, like, decisions have to occur in kind of some sort of zone of mutual adaptation, and, I mean, and in that, I mean... I I kind of came to the decision that all the work had to be made specifically with the site in mind and I wanted to consider what kind of environment that site was and what kind of work would then emerge from that environment that I had designated it as. And so that was I mean there was works or ideas or modes or symbols that I had been working with up until the exhibition that it was sort of that I was reluctant to let go of and not bring into that space but I quickly realized everything for that space has to be made for that space to exist for that space or else it's not going to speak because that space will devour anything yeah if you let it when when you say like things that you are working like the because the plant stuff is kind of at least more subdued in a way. Right, well, especially because chia, which was is the seed in question, uh-huh. um, can't... can't, can't the, the title under, of the episode. Yeah, under the conditions of no air ventilation and no light, it's certainly not going to grow. And what was interesting about that was then to consider, well, what kind of environment is this and what kind of growth will it enable and one of the things I've learned about the seed, especially in its um, early stages of nurture, is that it's incredibly thirsty. And so it will, uh, it, it absorbs a lot of water and that sort of, ex- it extends um, its barrier into this very like viscous membrane and that membrane's really sticky. So it has like a natural <laughs> glue that just retains moisture over a really long period of time. Mm-hmm. And so I knew that with so because it will create a humid environment around it i came to consider the possibility that the seed could host a tangential growth and so how i you know then move forward with that is like twofold one is that i think everyone knew that during in practice last year the sculpture center flooded and was closed yeah and and when when spaces in new york flood um, porous building materials such as like brick or concrete are then like filled with minerals mm-hmm. and then through this process of efflorescence like the salt or the gypsum or whatever starts to like grow out of the building almost to say like the walls are alive totally so this so then the humidity factor of the seed and the environment itself um, agitated the minerals like moving through the walls so now slowly over time the seeds are continuing to oxidize and the minerals have moved to the exterior of the seed and then to sort of 
motivate that a little bit more forcefully, the seeds on the floor are laced with steel fibers. So those are oxidizing quite rapidly. So since the opening now, those are almost like all rusted. What do you mean by like just like laced as in like combined? Or, yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. No, because it's also like a flood is such a mythic like sort of space. I mean, I feel like space, like any art space that like floods, like ever, you know, it becomes like this kind of resonant thing that like you can sort of tap into. Which is something that I think Ryan has quite a personal relationship. Yeah, yeah. I didn't <laughs> realize that the Sculpture Center flooded. What, what was that during? During, it was during the in practice. It was just like from rain and flooded? I get, I think snow, rain, all yeah. of it. Yeah. Huh. It's funny because with your piece installed, it really reminds me also like just seeing after uh, the flood or something like the line from like dirt and shit around it. Like at first it took me a minute to even uh, see it that it was there or something just because I thought that was like whatever some shit on the wall there. <laughs> yeah. yeah you know and I was like oh no it's the the chia seeds um wait for Ryan just for people for people who may not your relationship to the flood would be would be what well I my place got flooded during the hurricane hurricane sandy so yeah. the house that I rent got flooded during it and yeah, I was just thinking, like, the dirt line that I saw, I mean, all around, like, lower Brooklyn from it was that there was this line that was staying there forever of just all the sludge, which immediately when I saw your thing, it reminded me of that. Um, you know, it's also really funny. I had uh, chia seeds for breakfast today, <laughs> which I never eat this, but I don't know why Hannah made it. We had a oatmeal with chia seeds in it. It's a strange call. Yeah, it was really kind of gummy, but then I was just at home before, and I was like, what the fuck is that on the floor? And it was like, I guess it was some of the chia seeds. And, uh, it's a superfood, no? Yeah, Yeah, but it was like this really like slime uh, puddle that I just didn't, it took me a minute. From to, the chia? I guess it was the chia, but it had already hardened, huh. like it was this... Uh, it looked like puke on the floor <laughs> or something there but uh i guess it was some leftover debris from breakfast <laughs> and uh do you think about i mean have you made work related to the, the flood i mean to the flood yeah or in well, your lots like, of work yeah it's, yeah i mean i don't know if it, it wasn't like i wasn't making it related necessarily it was just uh like i was already working that way or something and um when that happened and the house got flooded and there was so much stuff there that I just took advantage of it but it wasn't particularly about the hurricane or something it was just uh, really ramped up my production that I feel like everything I'd been making before was like slow slow process you know like I was trying to reuse everything so instead of buying any new materials I used all my stuff from before that I didn't think was successful at the time so then it was you know, trying to reuse prints that were mounted on aluminum or something, and I didn't want them anymore for yeah. whatever reason, and uh, leaving them outside. And then, so uh, the the effects from the work that was made before the hurricane to the stuff after looks identical. Right. But it's just the fact that then this hurricane happened, and then I had two hundred new works overnight. <laughs> <laughs> that all of a sudden, or I mean, yeah, it's just funny because like that process, I guess you already 
had been working with for years, and it's like nature just like oxidized your house or something. Yeah, which was like a huge sign of encouragement then that you're just like already working this way or something. You're like, wow, this is like a slow process. You're like, this took six months or something. Totally. And then you're like, oh, just because of the volume of water happening and uh, everything that it sped up that process. Yeah. And then when you, like, in terms of how you approach like a shit, you know, when you're like, putting objects in the space like what, what um, in terms of how yeah how do you think about that I don't know it's funny it was like interesting hearing you say that you're how much planning went in or that, that space specifically and that you're <laughs> like really had to um, think of everything before what was going to go in there which a lot of that makes sense um, especially like the train um, obviously couldn't have gone in another space um I feel like I'm always so scattered that I can't really think that much ahead of the space or that I have uh, when I'm making so much stuff before that I never uh, think of the think of the actual space. I just uh, have a volume of work that is ready and then it, it goes into it. Um, the only time I ever did that was that uh, when I did this show that was outside and my only process for putting stuff in there that I thought I would put my shittiest work in it because it was going to be just outside and then people could take it. So I didn't want the stuff that I really liked and would like to see again. Uh, but otherwise, I always, uh, as far as like making stuff towards an exhibition, I just, once that time comes or the deadline for it, then I say, well, this is what I have at this point. <laughs> and I bring it all there and try and work through it and uh, figure out how that stuff will connect together or something so it was like super organic once I'm in the space I tried once to make a model of a space did that work and have miniature stuff I think I got just frustrated trying to make the Even. thing out of foam core which is I learned that at 303 actually for making those <laughs> things I was like this is how they do it you know you got to make something and seeing people be like this is the model of the show like oh I gotta have shit figured out before <laughs> have to fucking make a model yeah yeah but uh it's a lot more difficult than you think cutting up foam core and oh, making so miniature work boring. and doing it but it's not boring <laughs> it's boring. for many people it's uh, yeah you'd think it wouldn't practice. be boring yeah I always liked dollhouses when I was a kid but I don't like but, but you didn't like making dollhouses uh kind of <laughs> really? <laughs> well, my mom used to make them for us out of drawers, really? like old drawers, and then we could paint in like the rooms how we wanted them. That's awesome. So I really liked that. And then setting them up, just having it set up how you would like a house. Uh, but it doesn't really translate to making a miniature gallery. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Did you make a model? Right? No, I can't. But what I do do is visit the space, if possible, obsessively that you can sort of hallucinate or um, project what you're um, envisioning the work to be yeah. in in the environment. And, and I sort of, I've, you know, it's fortunate that I was like 10 minutes away from the Sculpture Center, so it wasn't a big deal to just keep going back and like, you know, placing myself in different locations in the site and also finding these sort of invisible moments like that bizarre um rectangular 
shaft that I have the long fiber cables through. That's where you had to like put on a hazmat suit, right? Yeah, yeah. because I never <laughs> noticed. I mean, the the walls surrounding that shaft are painted black. I mean, it's intentionally um, hidden. Hidden, and I felt like it was this one space that I had like never had never been articulated to me in any capacity, and suddenly just its invisibility was motivated me to want to do something with it. So I, I guess what I'm saying is I don't make models, but I do like to acclimatize or get to know the space before I have to work in it so that you, you can have an intuitive set of relations that go into decision right. making. But yeah, I agree that models are <laughs> frustrating though I like the idea of models as sculpture <laughs> yeah right. it's like you there's like data, data center pieces right? or kind of modelish like oh that, that I made yeah 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 they're those, like little models right those were models yeah no. I don't know what are these pieces I don't know them. they it's funny that uh David is bringing them up because they they were um, made in a mode of distraction. So while I was at Bard with David, who has this, you know, some privileged, privileged information, information here, uh, <laughs> when I was initially making the first chia carpet before it sort of realized itself in terms of these like breathing out serpent forms, it did have these cardboard data centers or they're not yeah yeah um on the sort of outskirts of the carpet yeah. and yeah they... well it's just interesting too because like because <laughs> the way that the like um metal piece like the kind of more uh, rectilinear forms like operate sort of similar to like a model or architecture yeah i mean it, it, i would say intentionally yeah definitely yeah. So... so but yeah the the steel frames are definitely to sort of engage with how the body is oriented in any kind of built environment, which is sort of frustratingly this redundancy of like horizontals and verticals that inform how we navigate or orient space or even to say like how a point of view is situated and then structured but they're intentionally liminal so that there's this idea that you can cross them like if you decide you want to overcome that redundancy you can just give yourself invitation to walk through right. so in that regard it's like there i think of them as like porous uh, thresholds that are like subjectively contrary to like what we think of, of as an architectural space Because there's walk no on, on the rugs, like. Um, I think I've never told somebody not to, but of course, if you do, you are responsible for crushing the growth, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> which I think is like, and, and and so when the frames are on the carpets, it's more like the the visual field around them as opposed to the fact that you would physically cross. But then, of yeah. course, if the frames are off the carpets. Sure, bodies we'll trespass. Do, we'll do what they do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. bodies should do what they do. Bodies so. should, they should. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Because I just saw those ones you have now in that group show, 
and then without anything just the structures and then people could walk through those yeah did people at the opening or yeah like well what it's this is hard to illustrate over um by voice here but what i have is seen and i think this says a lot about the kinds of permission we give ourselves but people will tend like have the tendency to an extend a limb through it and then retract the limb almost to sort of decipher what is the space between yeah and of course there's just nothing But do you think they're also like waiting for like a beep or like a security like uh... I'm not sure. I mean, people say different things. I def- definitely the the steel frames um yeah, in the group show people have I you know, have have come up to me and and engaged a little bit more verbally about those frames than typically in the past and I have heard a lot of feedback like, "Oh, those are really trippy." Or like, "How does that work?" <laughs> and uh and of course, I mean, what's interesting about that is that it's it's really um, as simple as you can go. The the more can happen. Mm-hmm. You can charge like the less you have, the more you can charge the space around it. And of course, you will do cross because they're also. I feel like people are trying to understand why you can't grasp the scale as you move it. Like the scale keeps t- escaping you, but if you move through it, you understand the scale. Like in relation fixed. to yourself it's fixed and it's the same yeah. yeah so those without i yeah so then now i think people are as soon as they realize that yeah there's no beep there's more action yeah that's when the action really happens yeah it's always funny i feel like with stuff like that if you have the impulse to walk through it or if you can walk on something or there's anything that is like an activity to do in it and then you're i don't know i feel like i always resist that in things that you're like I don't know, even like being able to walk on like a Carl Andre or something. It's like, do I need to even? Like, or can I just look at this or something? It's always funny, like, what is it going to change for you or something where there's like this space that then you could physically go through your sculpture or something. Like, I don't know if I would even have the urge to ever do that. Well, yeah, like, like, I'm just oh, like, sorry. I feel like with Carl Andre, it was more of a conceptual gesture. Like, you can. Yeah. Should you want to, you can. Yeah. Dare. Which yeah. maybe was it was cool then or something to be able to do that or something. It might have seemed like such yeah, a badass it, thing to be like, we can walk like on this. Yeah. It adds to the patina. Yeah. It rem- this idea though of habit and permission and how we've been, how we've established this relationship to a certain kind of engagement makes you think of your money jar uh-huh. at clearing. Yeah. Which was like every time I went to see the show, there was different amounts of money, and you had left the money, and and the fact that the amount of money was changing meant that people were like taking. Yeah, like I took some twenties out of there. If I saw it, there was twenties in it actually, but then money also went. Like there was stuff in there. This is like a take a penny kind of like. Well, I was like you know I always have a made zines, and then like when I was doing like zine trades before, it was always like oh you could just take the zine or trade it or then a lot of times when I was doing it people would get so confused about trading that they just start leaving money so this was at the book fair really? PS1 and uh, you know I came back one time and I had that space in the basement there was only $100 in cash Whoa. that people had left there and I had like gone around to see friends or something I was like what the <laughs> fuck like, it said like no money free trade trades only <laughs> I don't know something else I was like wow this fair has changed a lot 
And <laughs> then when I did the show clearing, I was always like, how oh, did I figure out to like put the zines in or something? Or I just leave them and they're out in the world as that. And then I had made some unique ones for it. And I thought, oh, I'll put them out. But they did take a bit of work and some of them yeah. cost money to do. So I was like, you know, this is the cost of these. These ones cost me 50 cents. This one cost me almost five bucks. Yeah. Whatever. Do the math. Here's the jar to put it in. And then... Uh, I just did that also so that they don't really have to deal with it at the gallery or something. But uh, I think I guessed a few people took money from it because there was definitely more. Or people just thought they were worth less and then took them for whatever. Yeah. Which is fine then. But it. It's hard to like figure as out. As far to... as I did the math, it never, it never quite <laughs> added up. So. You seem like you're quite good at like figuring out how to. You I mean, know. I definitely can't do math to save my life, but <laughs> there was. <laughs> You know, how to buy something for $1 and sell it for, for 25 Well, yeah, I can do that type of math. You yeah. know, this is dollars, so now it costs 20 <laughs> the, the upward math. Yeah. Is it, like, hard to figure out how to, like, stage the zines? And... That was the only time that I, like, staged them within, like, an exhibition, actually, because I always thought it was maybe, like, cheesy or something before. And then I thought, I don't know how it came out that I was like, oh, I kind of want to just introduce that zine trade thing where I did that before actually I did that in an exhibition where I had made a zine for this project I did at the Swiss Institute and then we had one night where I had a zine trade mm -hmm. event at it so then it was public that people could come trade zines whatever and then it was over with you know but then it's kind of hard that it's just planned for a two hour event or something so yeah I thought instead of like getting something off the wall or something it's always so nice gesture that you could get the same fucking work for five bucks off the ground if you're gonna look there totally but what was nice about the placement of the zines was that they were in the hallway so they were, they were it was adjacent to the exhibition with the exit in view so i think that really sets up a scenario where people can get away with certain kinds of behavior so if somebody yeah. does want to exploit the situation they know that no one sees them and they and yeah, in doing private. so they can see the door yeah and uh puts it on them yeah because it's because you're because it obviously invites a kind of transaction and then you, the onus is up to the individual nobody is there's no sense that anyone can see you so it's sort of it's it's asking for the individual to make a kind of decision about what the value is or how they're going to trade or how they're going to yeah do that and I yeah yeah what yeah I mean I think, think like, like it's like my like, conscious of that I think like the entire art market and everything is so fucked up that it's like almost like feels ridiculous or something at so many points that uh, it is it's just nice to then it's like a joke on that in some way yeah I mean I don't totally want it to be a joke because I do think then I just want it to be I guess that it, it, it like tries to even things out a bit more or something you know yeah so and then yeah I like that it is then also like this decision making or something that the person has to do where it's not like clear that uh, something specifically costs this or whatever you have to have an interaction with another 
person who's maybe going to judge you for even like it's funny at the gallery they're like oh well this collector didn't get anything but they took five copies of this zine or something you know and you're like well they didn't want to pay that price but they'll drop a hundred bucks in the jar and take all these you know which is everybody's got some credit Yeah, so I was just kind of thinking about like, like the way that works have like fronts and backs or don't, or like whether you think of that. Like I think for both of you, it's like there's some interesting questions about like is something is there like an entry point? Like, your show, for instance, your show, like from behind, I think by accident, kind of, and then saw the eight ball pieces on the wall first, um, like by going down that like little back stairway, which seemed like a really different entry point than. If I don't. Your show, the. Sure. Yeah. Well, I think you asked me two questions and I'll answer both. Mm-hmm. One is that, like, this whole relationship to 360 that we've kind of dissected into front, back, side to side. Yeah. Um, you know, I've never been able to tell left from right. <laughs> Something that's still. Um, is a, is a handicap, especially when you're taking driving lessons, which I recently had to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, so... That's so funny. That's so... Oh, sorry. Um, that's so affirming. Yeah, because I thought there was something the matter with me for so long. Like, you know, by the time I was middle school and I still couldn't tell left from right. And now I'm well into, you know... Life. life and I still can't do it so basically you have so you have to sort of develop tools for yourself when you can't rely on this basic mechanism of like orientation that everyone else seems totally fine with um, and I, you know the easiest straightforward one for me is I just do the L mm-hmm. but then every now and again the L yeah. illegible and then I really get worried but basically I, I think that it's like because I've never I've never been able to sort of designate a left or a right this whole division or like planar division of a the fact that you would even insert oh, yeah. a planar division onto a body of front or back when you really exist all in three, in three yeah, dimensions yeah. has always been pretty crucial to how I like orient and or willfully now orient yeah. myself and my well, work yeah, any of those things that are kind of like black and white or something like that, where it's like this way and that way, it's like always a bit confusing or like these rules that are set up because of that. It seems like, I mean, they're they're set for a reason, but also it's like, I think there's a lot of in-between or gray area or something that then uh, can be more interesting also or something that is like maybe to figure out that stuff uh, what the hell is going on the, the other way or how you figure it out like I don't know it's like funny you're saying that about figuring out with your hand like I remember when they would show me that also and I was like well both looks the same what the hell is <laughs> like how am I supposed to tell it like, do this with your hand I was like what how do I yeah, it do still looks like le- like it's the same thing like what do yeah. you mean you know and uh which is that's so interesting then as a child when you know that it's not that they're telling you that there's a deficiency in the private tools you then invent for yourself to compensate 
for this thing that you've been told is a problem. Yeah, which it's isn't. fucked up. Yeah, it's just like a normal condition, kind of. Yeah. But it's it's funny then with the exhibition because there are two stairwells, and right. a lot of people did ask which which is the privileged point of entry, and of course there isn't, and. Um, I would almost say that like I typically start with um, that stairwell that then leads into the room with the magic eight balls mm -hmm. because I feel like the confrontation of the language is provoking or embedding a certain kind of connotation into the rest of the... Well, I, I wanted to find or I chose the eight ball because I wanted a device that would secure the idea of talking to oneself um, as a mode, like in place of a conversation. So, I mean, the ways in which we think we're talking to, to like another person or another thing or another species, another being, but really we're, it's just, we've just fed ourselves into something in order for yeah. a voice to be fed back. Yeah. And I felt like there's very, you know, there's some certain devices that enable that kind of conversation in the eight ball is one of them so I you know the intention would be that when you then encounter those eight balls you you must have asked a question yeah but somehow you don't remember what you asked but you've got your answer right it's funny because with eight balls even then what were you who is it that is supposed to be giving you the answer like this is like the universe or something is telling you like when you're shaking those things like Fate. what Fate is just saying, really like, like Mattel. Yeah, Mattel, exactly. Yeah. Well, I, I just wonder if, like, with all of these things, it's like, who who wants to talk and who are we willing to listen to? And, I, you know, I think that the suspicion that we naturally have to voices outside of ourselves and then we have to recuperate them as some part of ourselves and still somehow think we have the agency to differentiate like a voice outside oneself talking to oneself a voice that is maybe oneself is not oneself uh it's just very confusing and actually so complicated but somehow we manage yeah well right and it's like very i mean that's that is like the language space like who's talking i mean even the question answer kind of is like related to the front back right i mean yeah. Re-asserting this binary, which baseball does. There's like nothing but a question you can give to it. Yeah. I mean, you could ramble to it, I guess. <laughs> but I think, yeah. But I do, yeah. And there is something to the, with the front and back, with the space that starts and stops, like the sculpture center, where these like meandering passages kind of create an idea of a linear development but because you have to turn a corner go back like you, you can't navigate it in a way that you'd do a typical exhibition environment yeah but also the train like has like a front and back like is an oriented you know it's like forces a well the train is well. just a front Even, it could be like, yeah, you could write an essay or get into activism or do something that's actually out in the real world that's going to make a difference because, like, this is so idiotic to begin with making artwork that, like, why 
are you going to do something where I have to have half a page checklist yeah. to understand this viewpoint of why you this system is fucked up? Yeah, which is like, I like titling things. And I think you can do it, but I also don't want it to be necessary yeah. uh, that you have to be able to read or speak English to like get this work or something. Right. And it's like... You don't want your titles to be crutches. No, it's like, I think then they can like give more information to something or make fun of an element of something or be straightforward or something. But I always, I don't know. And maybe just to say that you might just want to trust that the work can just speak for itself. Yeah. Just voice itself. That it's like, and that one can have their own kind of relationship to that. That maybe this sort of like, surplus of material yeah it can offer something but it can also take away so yeah yeah it should be like i don't know i guess a bonus or something you know like it's like behind the scenes but yeah the title and the date and the materials of my work definitely offer context which are super useful for someone trying to kind of parse it together yeah but i know what you I mean, I think it's a lot of it is like cheating in a way or something, though, because it's like already this like whatever we're talking about language without the title. Yeah. Then like, OK, so you did all this research for this and like this is it. It's like. Yeah, I don't know. It's not really. But I mean, it's interesting, just like I was wondering as you were talking, like, um, like when you install because we're going back to like left and white or those like binaries. And like, so when you install like a bunch of, cause I feel like oftentimes there's a number of pieces like kind of clumped together uh-huh. in like a series, but do you think about them as like having a like order from left to right or not? Or well, it's like, definitely not left to right or yeah, anything like that. Like together, I feel like if anything, I want it to be as if I focus on like one specific grouping or something then I think it's very, as like red, as like all this stuff came from each other was related somehow. It's not trying to be yeah uh read the book from the front to the back or whatever it's like uh yeah i don't know i guess that in between area or reading it as a whole thing or something that it's not yeah yeah i don't know i guess i don't i don't really think that much of front to back but i do like when i install exhibitions that then there's like i mean almost like 90% of the time ends up being like looking at shit from different angles or something that you're like, all right, it looks good from this way and then from this way and this works off that and this. So yeah. then it's like very like, you don't really know which way like people are. Yeah. There's a million ways that people are going to look at also. Then it's like trying to make sure everything works off each other. Yeah. Um, or any other projects. I would like to announce that I'm happy that we, all got together to do this. I'm yeah. happy to announce that Ryan has been my first friend, most supportive. Yeah, let's talk about friend, your issues. Oh, yeah, yeah, we should yeah, talk yeah. about. I'm you guys just in New York, and I think that you guys have known each other for how long? Like, so since I met Ryan at three months in after I moved here. Which would have been what? Two thousand and eight. Two thousand eight. Mars bar. Yeah. yeah, Mars bar. <laughs> Before there was a TD. Right. 
Um, and you guys it, that's, is that where we met at Mars Bar? Yeah. Or we just met at something? I place? met Ryan at Mars Bar and he gave me a flyer for a show at Bordelami. And that was in the days of still giving flyers. Or maybe we met and then we met again. And then Mars again Bar at like flyer. second and fourth? Second and second, or first and first. first, or, and first and uh, were you living in Manhattan? I lived in House Kitchen then. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I just remember that seemed like crazy to me at the time. Uh, yeah. Well, it's fun. I mean, I lived in Brooklyn before that, but then I got That's priced out. Seemed crazy to me at the time. No, I mean, it seemed crazy. Like, Here we are. Like cool. Like, uh, like House Kitchen sounds like crazy. We paid a thousand dollars for a one bedroom. Yeah. I was like, couldn't even find that anywhere and. Williamsburg. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But there's just something to be said the way that we all kind of grow along with each other. Yeah, oh, that's that, great. Um, I think that <laughs> you you you're a you're a witness to your friend, you know, for so long. That you and you learn and you learn through seeing each other and you learn through engaging with each other, and the longer that continues, I think there's more to be learned and I think it's that New York enables those dynamics. It's very unique. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how we met. Like I'm not even sure. I don't really remember so well. But uh, it's funny when those. Uh, I mean, it just sort of remember. It seemed like you were at Mars Bar a lot. <laughs> but maybe I don't know how <laughs> instant and I feel yeah I got a phone call at 3am from a girl I went to high school with telling me I had to meet her friend by the time I got to meet her at the bar it turned out she didn't even know you guys <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't even know who that was but <laughs> but I do, I do remember this one moment, and I think there's something to be said for both kind of arriving um, in the city around the same time and, and, and standing outside of this massive social that all seemed to be like really active and engaged with that I had no idea what was going on. Yeah. And, 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 the, and the, how productive it was at that time for us to feel like outsiders yeah. to that. And I just remember um, we, we snuck into this new museum after party not because we wanted to be there but we hated the idea of the after party so we had to see it but we were i think what do you mean you hated the idea of the after party we just at the time yeah like, you're just like oh, this is like yeah. after party bullshit yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah. uh <laughs> and then i remember we went to the back and we started eating the plant and the and the, and the security guard came up to us and he said you know that plant's not real right <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I guess I was probably pretty fucked up then. I don't remember that shit. That's one of my favorite early memories. I always liked your energy from the very beginning or something that there was like some... I think it's funny I mean, because one of the the first impressions that I really remember of Rochelle's work was that stuff at the, the studio school where from what I remember it seemed like that it was uh, something was pressed into it or something so it did seem like this uh, not positive or negative. Like it didn't, I, I remember liking that originally and then like getting more of that impression or something, seeing you making the stuff in the studio or when you came in and worked on the one in Brighton Beach and you were holding the stuff and it was like this uh, kind of negative space, I guess, of you or something or these uh, oh, impressions of stuff. I would stuff. fill the plastic bags with plaster and hold them. 
Yeah, but like I have like all, I have all these great. <laughs> and I, I was just thinking it's it's funny and I never really thought of it before, but that we were talking about like uh, front and back or something of that. And I liked. I remember I really liking that it was like this uh, ambiguous space or something, or like you just couldn't tell if that was like the end result or something, or this was like the leftover part of it or something, or it, I guess because it looked like the outside of a mold mostly or something, you know. But. Uh, it was this cool space, which is just funny. Talking about this stuff now, like it, the work now doesn't really read that way. Like seeing more specific shapes or something in it, the fish or whatever, uh, or that space. But uh, yeah, I, I really like that. It's funny, just, I mean, it's amazing seeing that, you know, that there was, that was happening then. Like, I mean, that would be like 2009 then or something, seeing this. Uh, and then it, it, like working through those ideas or something. It's like really, it's it's cool to be able to be around someone when you get to see these uh, things that continue on the record or something.